Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 67, and I'm drinking Absolute Vodka. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. So why did I choose Absolute for this episode? Well, if you've heard of Absolute, you have advertising to thank for that. There's more to it than that, but the print advertising campaign for Absolute is what put it on the map and made it an icon. The campaign was so great, Absolute was one of the inaugural brands inducted into the American Marketing Association's Hall of Fame in 1992. As a marketer by trade myself, I've always admired the Absolute campaign for a number of reasons. And while working on this episode, I spent several hours searching boxes in my house for my own copies of Absolute Book, the Absolute Vodka Advertising Story, and Absolute Sequel, the Absolute Advertising Story Continues. These books were published in 1996 and 2005, respectively, by author Richard Lewis from the New York ad agency that brought the brand to life. I suggest you track down copies yourself to enjoy the archive. But I seem to have sold my copies to my local independent bookstore, Pals Books, prior to starting this podcast, because they're nowhere to be found. But I have ordered replacements. They're on the way. Anyway, let's talk vodka. The bottle I have for the tasting is a standard 750 milliliters. It is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof. And Absolute Vodka retails for about $20 at this size. For the bottle, it's so recognizable you may well be able to name the brand simply by seeing the silhouette. It's clear glass, cylindrical, and features a minimalist block letter logo in blue that just reads Absolute Vodka on the front. Then below in a black script, my bottle simply states Swedish Vodka. I may be on the early cusp of a mild packaging update for Absolute because the larger sizes at my liquor store were the original version with more black text on the front. But no matter, it's mostly the same. At the shoulder centered in the front is a printed medallion stating Absolute since 1879, and there's a bearded man's portrait with L.O. Smith below. The short neck is capped with a silver screw cap. My bottle features a small white label on the front declaring the proof and imported. Also the text made with Swedish water and winter wheat, gluten-free, as well as produced and bottled in the village of Ohus, Sweden. The side of the bottle features a clear label with a barcode and government warnings. All in all, it looks like a somewhat squat bottle of water. It's kind of plain, but let's go ahead and drink it. So my bottle has got clear shrink wrap. Let's see if I can get this off. I always struggle with the shrink wrap. Oh, okay. Come on. Okay, I got that. Screw cap, so here we go. No pop or anything. I will be tasting, as all spirits on this podcast, using a clean Glencairn glass. It's a whiskey nosing glass, allows you to get a good look at the spirit, you can smell it, and a good taste. So let's go for a pour. I'm also tasting this neat. So that's straight out of the bottle, room temperature, no dilution, not chilled. It's just straight vodka in a glass. And in the glass, it looks exactly like water. You can see some of the legs or the tears on the inside. That's just the difference in evaporation of the water and the ethanol in it. That's all it is. It doesn't necessarily tell you potency. Can sometimes let you know there's alcohol in the glass. I'll say that. All right, let's try it on the nose. 
Smells of vodka. In a good way. Smells clean and fresh. A little bit of wheat. I know it's made out of wheat, and so maybe I'm just inferring that, but let's try it one more time. Yeah, it smells like vodka. Smells clean, pure, good. And now for a taste. It has a pleasant mouthfeel, actually. It's rather smooth. Let's try another. Eighty proof isn't bad. I can feel the heat of the ethanol, but it doesn't really have a flavor to it. It's not overpowering. But on the palate, this is just pure vodka, so it's a little difficult to describe what it is or what it tastes like. I did look up some tasting notes from Absolute themselves, and their manager of sensory for Absolute says that it has slight hints of caramel and vanilla, and the finish is fresh and fruity. Yeah, maybe I might pick up a little of that. Let's go again. I do get a, a fruitiness. Yeah, maybe caramel, maybe vanilla. I mean, it's a stretch. It's not vanilla flavored anything. It's This is just pure vodka and 60% Swedish water, 40% pure ethanol. Yeah, it's good. This is vodka. It's absolute. I will say there's no bad aftertaste. It doesn't leave you with a burning sensation or a bitterness on the palate. There's not that at all. It does have a nice, soft, pleasant mouthfeel, and there's flavor to it. It's quite good. Now let's talk history. But before we get to the advertising, there's some backstory to cover for Absolute. First of all, it's Swedish, a fact they've proclaimed on the bottles since inception. But even though the bottle touts since 1879, and at launch, the front of the bottle read, in the black scripty font, This superb vodka was distilled from grain grown in the rich fields of southern Sweden. It has been produced at the famous old distilleries near Ohus in accordance with more than 400 years of Swedish tradition. Vodka has been sold under the absolute name since 1879. This brand is not more than 400 years old, or even dating back to 1879. In fact, Absolute as we know it today was created in 1979 by the Swedish government. Well, more specifically, a nationally owned Swedish spirits monopoly named Vin and Sprit. There is truth in the fact that Swedes have been drinking vodka for hundreds of years, but it wasn't as pure as the vodka is today. For that, we have to thank the man of mystery on the front of the bottle, L.O. Smith. L.O., or Lars Olsen, Smith was by all accounts an amazing man, but he was perhaps more of a boy when he conquered vodka. Born in 1836, he seems to have been a successful businessman by as early as the age of six, but certainly by the age of ten, and is described as an entrepreneur in his early teens and in the vodka business before turning 20. In Sweden, he became known as the King of Vodka. Incidentally, he died in 1913 penniless. His big achievement in vodka was the use of rectification to redistill the spirit, removing nearly all impurities, creating a pure vodka, purer than the others sold at the time. 
And in the city of Stockholm, he was so successful with his vodka, he put other distilleries out of business. But the city of Stockholm had a monopoly on vodka. A tradition of strictly controlled alcohol in Sweden would carry on for at least the next hundred years. Refusing to be put out of business by the city of Stockholm, he set up a distillery and store on an island just outside the city limits. He then made a fortune selling his pure vodka to city dwellers via a free boat ride to the distillery and shop. The city of Stockholm kept up the pressure and eventually Smith moved to more fertile fields in southern Sweden to continue his vodka empire. In 1879, he introduced Absolute Rent Braven, or translated to English, Absolute Pure Vodka. Fast forward to 1917, and the Swedish government entity of Vin and Sprit, literally translated as wine and liquor, controlled all alcohol sales. In fact, up until the mid-1950s, Swedish adults needed to have a ration coupon to buy alcohol, and the government apparently kept track of who drank what and how much. It was a rather oppressive system, apparently, by some accounts. The Swedish government made good money from the sale of alcohol, but countered this with higher taxes to discourage drinking. Profiting from alcohol sales to its citizens was viewed as unseemly by some. But in the 1970s, a man named Lars Lindmark was president of Vinnensprit, or simply VS for short. They'd been producing and selling Absolute Rent Braven since 1917, the successor of Ello Smith's vodka. With the 100-year anniversary of Absolute Rent Braven coming, Lars Lindmark decided VNS would export a new vodka. Now, the government monopoly wasn't exactly expert at branding. They made a fine vodka, to be sure, but when you're the only game in town, so to speak, and you're selling booze, to be honest, you don't need tremendous marketing muscle. But for export, they'd be competing on the world stage, and they'd set their sights on the U.S., where vodka had risen in popularity to surpass gin and whiskey, white spirits ruled over brown spirits. So it seemed to be worth the investment if they could get it right. VNS assembled a team to create the export brand, led by Lars Lindmark. Absolute Vodka was the result. They decided on a premium position for their vodka because the quality was good, and maybe with a bit of national pride, they figured they had such a long history of vodka production and consumption in Sweden, they might as well go for a premium. But nobody in the U.S. knew that Sweden made vodka. In the 1970s, most vodka in the U.S. was domestically made, but with Russian-sounding names. The only import brands were Stolichnia or Stolichnaya from the Soviet Union, Vrubrovka from Poland, and Finlandia from Finland. But Absolute became an unlikely hero. Almost all vodka at the time had big labels, with crowns, red, Russian, or czar-looking style elements, and the experts and consultants brought in to help VS develop Absolute recommended these things to make it premium. The Swedes were less than thrilled with this recommendation. They thought of the purity of their spirit and wanted to really show it off, so they worked on a bottle design. The shape of the Absolute bottle is credited to an advertising man named Gunnar Broman, who apparently spotted an old Swedish medicine bottle in an antique shop in Stockholm. This bottle was said to be elegant and very Swedish in design, and commonplace for more than 100 years. With vodka having been used traditionally as a cure-all at times, the connection with the medicine bottle worked. The design of the bottle was refined a little bit, to include a longer neck to make it a little easier to handle, but the lack of a paper label so as not to obscure the product inside was solidified. It said the color blue was chosen for the logo because it was the most visible and attractive color. 
For the name, it seems almost obvious coming from a state monopoly that they would simply call it vodka. And the original name they had been using in Sweden was Absolute Rent Braven, which translated as Absolute Pure Vodka. But for trademark reasons, they couldn't trademark the word absolute. When they dropped the E, so it's absolute with no E at the end, you could trademark that, and so they started there. They faced other legal concerns with the word pure for obvious reasons when you're making claims about food or drink purity. Using pure in the name may not be the best advice, so they dropped the word pure. What they ended up with was a very simple description of absolute vodka. They put this in a very traditional-looking Swedish medicine bottle with a clear and minimal label to not hide the product. They then added Country of Sweden in black scripty text between the words absolute and vodka to stress the country of origin. With their baby born, VS went looking for a U.S. distributor to take it on. All the big names balked at it and straight up hated it, to be honest. A small New York distributor, Carillion Importers, who had Bombay Gin and Grand Marnier, and listened to episodes 44 and 40 for those, was ultimately convinced to take on the new Absolute Vodka brand. But they had to be convinced. The head of Carillion, Al Singer, was quoted as saying of Absolute, One, there's no market. Two, I'm not into vodka. And three, the bottle looks like shit. Forget it. The quip about the bottle was shared by others, it seems. The Swedish creation to showcase the purity made it so many in the industry thought you couldn't see the brand. Without a label, you could see through the product, through the bottle, to the brand behind it on the back bar. Again, Absolute became an unlikely hero. Carillion importers first brought Absolute to the U.S. in 1979 in New Orleans, and it sold a modest 10,000 cases in the first year. But advertising was soon to kick in. Due to a conflict of interest from a larger alcohol account, Brown Foreman, Carillion's advertising agency had to resign them. It's said that 94 agencies competed for their business. An agency comprised of alums from the venerable firm Young & Rubicon won the business. This agency was TBWA, standing for Tragus, Bonage, Weisendanger, Adroli, but always known as TBWA, though they later merged with another firm and became known as TBWA Chiat Day. Talk about a mouthful. Anyway, the story goes that an art director for the agency, a man named George Hayes, was sketching a bottle of Absolute and in a moment of silliness, drew a halo over the bottle and wrote, Absolute, it's the perfect vodka. A copywriter suggested he shorten it to Absolute Perfection and the die was cast. According to Richard Lewis, in the aforementioned book of his, Absolute Book, he describes the genesis of the Absolute campaign as such. And Richard Lewis, he worked at TBWA, so he knows. He says of the pair, Together they turned out a few more ads, and soon a format emerged. In just two words, the first always being Absolute, the ad would say something complimentary or flattering about either the product itself or the person drinking it. And importantly, add a dollop of humor so the we're the best claim wouldn't be quite so boring or pretentious. Absolute perfection was the first ad, with the halo over the bottle. But it presented a technical challenge to photograph well. This was pre-Photoshop days. We're talking 1980. So it had to be mostly real. But a clear glass bottle with a clear liquid, when brightly lit, apparently looked more cartoonish and like a glass jar full of milk than vodka. 
Finally, a photographer named Steve Bronstein was able to give Absolute the close-up it deserved. He photographed the bottle in front of a matte sheet of plexiglass to give it a soft, rounded, well-lit backdrop without turning it all cartoonish. The second ad was Absolute Clarity, with a magnifying glass over the logo highlighting the Country of Sweden text. Other ads followed, all featuring the bottle, but it was the ad Absolute Stardom, with the bottle made out of light bulbs a la a Broadway marquee, that gave the campaign real legs, as my advertising professor Don Dickinson in college would say. By representing the bottle with something other than the bottle, the campaign would have enough creative fodder to endure for 15 years, being shown as everything from swimming pools to ski slopes to skylines and Christmas trees. Advertising is art, I do believe that. Pop art, to be sure, but art nonetheless. And Carillion importers stepped up in 1985 by commissioning Andy Warhol to paint his rendition of the Absolute Bottle. The commission cost $65,000, which was just a little less than the cost of an average home those days, but Absolute Warhol cemented the brand in the world of art. Many others followed, and a decade and a half of print ads fill a book and then some. Print ads were everywhere. They were collected. I had many in my youth. They were in most magazines. They were so creative and had been relegated to print form because hard alcohol was banned from television advertising in the U.S. until 1996. So print ruled and Absolute owned it. They were so successful based on this campaign that by 2002, they were ranked the number one luxury brand in a worldwide survey. After starting out only selling 10,000 cases in their first year, by 1984, Absolute sold 440,000 9-liter equivalent cases in the U.S. By 1989, they had taken over the other largest brand and were the largest selling imported spirit in the U.S. In 1994, V&S replaced Karelian importers with Seagram's as the U.S. distributor. TBWA, Chiat Day, remained in charge of advertising, however. The next big milestone for the brand came in 2008, when Sweden chose to divest themselves of the spirits business and sold V.S. to Pernod Ricard for the low, low price of 5.63 billion euros, or 8.3 billion U.S. dollars. It's said that six banks were needed to finance the deal. This investment has obviously paid off, though. Absolute continues to sell millions of liters of vodka each year, and the inevitable flavors and brand extensions came and continue to flourish. But 100% of Absolute is still made in the small southern Swedish town of Aarhus. So let's talk about how it's made. Absolute vodka is made from winter wheat, sourced from the highly productive southern Sweden. And they make a lot of it too. First, the grain is ground, water, and yeast are added to allow it to ferment. This creates a basic wash. The yeast consumes the sugars released from the starches in the grain, and they expel alcohol. With some other compounds as well, it's not just all ethanol. There's some methanol, some fusel oils, other things. These other things, or congeners or cogenerics, are the impurities that are present in what is now essentially a crude beer prior to distillation. This mash, or a wash, depending on what stage you're at and 
how you're referencing it, but this fermented liquid is about 8% alcohol by volume before it's distilled. And because they're making vodka, they're shooting for purity. So it's distilled in a continuous column still process, creating a concentration of 85 to 90% alcohol by volume. After distillation comes rectification, a process introduced by L.O. Smith, where the distilled spirit is passed through additional columns. These additional steps remove the fusel oils, the methanol, and other chemical compounds that aren't ethanol. But they want enough to go through the process to retain some of the flavor of the grain inputs. The rectification process results in a product that's at or above 95% alcohol by volume. To get any stronger, you actually need to distill it under a vacuum because at atmospheric conditions, you really can't get much higher than that. To this very pure alcohol, next comes water. It's Swedish water, of course, says so on the bottle, and seeing as it's in Sweden, they're not going to import water for their vodka. Absolute has its own source of water. It's a well that is 140 meters deep. Absolute says the water they're drawing from the wells has been filtered through Swedish bedrock for thousands of years, giving the vodka a natural mouthfeel. This water is blended with the vodka to bring it to 40% alcohol by volume for bottling. That means the bottle is 40% nearly pure ethanol and 60% Swedish well water. The blend is then filled into the iconic bottles, sealed, and shipped off around the world. There's, of course, plenty of testing to make sure it's correct and pure, but that's the story. Absolute is available in more than 120 countries worldwide. So now on to cocktails and consumption. I'll just say this, it's vodka. It goes with everything. Vodka was essentially invented and popularized and remains so popular because it is quote-unquote flavorless. It really lets the mixers shine. So you can put vodka in anything. A lot of people just drink it straight, usually chilled. A lot of people keep a bottle in the freezer. I think if you chill it too much, you lose all the flavor. And vodka indeed does have flavor. But Absolute, it's got nice flavor. I've actually been surprised. I've never sipped it neat. I've done shots. I've certainly mixed it. But sipping it neat, it's got some good flavor to it. So in summary, what do I think of Absolute Vodka? I must say it holds a special place in my heart, to be entirely honest. The advertising campaign that ran for 15 years in print is phenomenal. It is really difficult to understand what an achievement that is. 15 years is a lifetime. It's more than a lifetime when it comes to advertising. Try and name one brand, one product. It doesn't matter what it is. Name one product that has maintained the same campaign for more than a handful of years. 15 is forever. And here's the thing. Creatives and the client, Absolute themselves, and all the people working at the ad agency, I'm sure they were so tired of the Absolute campaign. They're just like, oh, let's do something new. But here's the secret. Consumers were not tired of the campaign. The brand and the people working on it, they tire of it well before the consumer does. And the campaign had legs. They could start it up again. Keep doing it. Bottle shape, print ads, have at it. You could basically go forever. All based around the simple premise of two-word combination, absolute always being first, the second word being some flattering description of the product or the drinker. And depict the bottle in some innovative way. 
And as I've said, there's literally been more than one book written on advertising for Absolute Vodka. It is phenomenal. So this singular podcast episode can never do it justice. I'm just scratching the surface. For as far as what's in the bottle, it's good. It's tasty. 20 bucks for a fifth. That's a value. You can get cheaper. You can spend more money too. But, you know, hey, Absolute, you should always have a bottle on your bar. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. The show's also active on social media. Instagram and Facebook are where I'm most active. I love hearing from my listeners, so if you've got a spirit you would like me to feature in an upcoming episode, or if you're a brand that's got something you think has a good story you'd like to share with me, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>